Father, I pray right now. Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would lead us. That your Spirit would direct us, our hearts, our minds. Lord, I just don't want there to be a lot of words that are say, I want to hear from your Spirit. And I just pray that you would incline each and every ear in this house, Lord God, and in those that are watching online, that, Lord God, incline their ear to hear what your Spirit is saying this day. I pray it right now in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. This world that we live in wants to own us. Do you believe that? <laughs> Carl. I don't know if you all heard Carl, but he said, ain't going to happen. <laughs> this world we live in wants to own us. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 is going to be up. I'm going to go through a number of scriptures today. I'm going to kind of rip through them. So if you're like, man, give me a chance to get there in my Bible. I want to have a, I think they've got a screen at the end that you'll be able to see all the references that I have. So I'm going to just go, all right? So 1 John, and not every one of them is in the exact same translation. This comes out of the New Living Translation. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for spiritual or for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Advertisers want to own you. Advertisers want you. They, and adults, I think we all understand that, they want our kids. If you're a kid in this place and you're still here, some of them already just ran out of the room to go to kids' church. But if you're an older kid that's in here, they want to own you. I remember, I think it was 1980 when MTV was first breaking into the, the TV market. I remember hearing an advertiser talk and, and reading about it a little bit. And they said, if we can get them when they're young, they were actually targeting, if I remember it right, six-year-olds. And they said, if we can own them, then we will own them the rest of their lives. That's what advertisers' jobs are. They're to get you to believe in a product. And, and I think we could probably all look at things and we all have certain products or certain things that we like and we know that if we have that oh yeah that's what helps me feel good or it might help you and here I tried to hit multiple generations here make you feel cool hip sly the bomb hot smooth dope fire gucci or whatever a term applies I don't know but I would go back to probably cool But they want to own everything about you. 
a week has how many hours? 168 hours in a week, right? As I was thinking about this and looking at it, how many hours a week do we spend at church? Probably not hours, right? For some, it might be 90 minutes on a Sunday. If you happen to come to all of our services, let's say you come on a Sunday, a Wednesday, maybe even a Thursday morning, Thursday morning, pardon me. And let's even throw maybe something else in it. Maybe you're talking five, six hours, and that's if you're really busy at church. Versus the 168. Now, I understand some of those hours are sleep hours. I get all that. But the crazy part is, is what statistics have been begin to tell us about the average church attendee. I've, I was looking stuff up, and I found this company called Church Track, T-R-A-C. And I started to look at some of their stuff, and, and throughout, I'm going to read a couple things here for you. Throughout the 20th century and into the early years of the 21st century, being a regular church attendee meant that you were at church once a week or more. And as church attendance waned after the turn of the century, attending church twice a month was what most church leaders viewed as a threshold for regular attendance. And that threshold was lowered again in the early months, especially with COVID, after churches began to, or post-COVID began to reopen, many leaders counted anyone attending at least once a month as a regular attendee. That kind of is insulting to me. I hope it is to you too. Listen to this from church track. 16% of pastors consider once a week attendance to be required threshold for regular attendance. I don't know who one of those 16 are, but I think they're completely wrong. Listen to this, 59% of members say regular attendance means attending church once a week or more. 16% to 59%? What's going on? What's going on? Pastors and members seem to differ significantly is what their research told me. (laughs) Here's another scripture. Here's maybe even a translation you haven't read out of. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 19, out of the J.B. Phillips New Testament. Listen to how this reads. Let no one be under any illusion over this. If any man among you thinks himself one of the world's clever ones, let him discard his cleverness that he may learn to be truly wise. For this world's cleverness is stupidity to God. It is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. Isn't that interesting? Now, I didn't read it just because I could say stupid out loud and not get in trouble because I could say it was in the Bible. Because I know some of you moms and grandmoms and dads and granddads are saying, we don't say those words in our house. Sometimes they're appropriate. (laughs) I heard this quote 
this last week from an author. His name is Patrick Morley. He wrote a book called I Surrender. I have not read the book, but I heard this quote, and I thought, oh, I've got to use this. He said, the church's problem today is in the misconception that we can add Christ to our lives, but not subtract sin. It is a change in belief, but not a change in behavior. And I agree, I think that's a big problem in the church world today, in the way that, that things are happening, and just in life in general, but I'm talking to believers here today, basically, I believe, and if there is anybody here that hasn't ever made Christ the center of your life, the the, the Lord of your life, you're going to have that chance today. But for you that have, we cannot just add Christ to this life. We have to subtract the sin that we get in our lives. Are we also concerned about being controlled by the world around us? I hope so. I'm not letting this world control me. Not going to let it happen. I'm going to fight against what I believe in with what I've been trained, what I've been taught. It's got to be a daily basis fight. Got to be an everyday thing. And church, you can't be in church every day of the week. I get that. You got to work. You got to do things. But you know what? You've got to get it in your life. You got to begin to have in your own church, in your own life, every day of the week. You have to begin to do that. You have to have those type of things that are building you up. And I'm telling you, for the world that I live in, if you're not getting at it at the beginning of your day, you're already behind the eight ball. You gotta do it at the beginning. You gotta get it going. That means you might have to get up a little bit earlier. And I know some of you are thinking, I can't get up any earlier. Figure something out. I I don't know. I have found I've gotta get up earlier in order to make it work for me. According to a website called Lifehack, you know, they always talk about these hacks in life and how to make life a little easier. Well, how to live life to the fullest and enjoy each day. Number one, decide what's important to you. Number two, take more risks. Number three, show your love to people you care about. Number four, live in the present moment. Number five, ignore the haters. Number six, don't compromise your values. Number seven, be kind to others. Number eight, Keep, the, keep your mind open. And the last one, number nine, take action for what matters for you. They're all very nice. They're all very good. And a lot of them I can't even really totally disagree with. But there's nothing in this that points back to the one who put it all in place to begin with. And there's nothing here that's pointing back towards truth. And that's in our Lord and our Savior Because he is the truth, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. So if you find yourself not getting uh, much conflict and kickback in the world that you live in, the community that you're around, then maybe we got to start thinking, are we blending in more than we really think we are? And I'll tell you what, does that question ever cross your mind? Your thoughts? It's just the world that we live in. And we're just trying to do a little better each day and and make sure that we're just good people. Well, yeah, we should be good people. We should be kind. We should be generous. We should be happy. We should be the ones smiling the most. We should be the ones that are happy the most because we got the most to live for because of what he's already done in us, right? 
Can I read one more quote out of a book called Who Are You to Judge by Erwin Lutzer? He wrote this, there are so many demands for our time today that we have to make time for the things that matter to God. Many years ago when my wife and I were in Eastern Europe, the people had to stand in line to buy food, perhaps an hour to buy some meat, and then another hour for a loaf of bread and the like. In all, we were told that the average family had someone stand in line for about three hours a day just to purchase their basics. Some of the Christians told us how fortunate we were because those of us who lived in America had so much more time to pray and serve God. Uh, but he wrote, but doesn't work that way, does it? My experience has been that technology has not given us more time to serve God for the more time that we have, the more things we seem to cram into empty spaces. Every week I get a report on my phone saying how many screen hours I had on it. Do you have that on your phone? Does that pop up? Do you read it? Do you ignore it? Have you turned it off so you don't have to read it? My computer does the same thing. And I am watching how I would like to make the excuse that, well, I leave my computer open and on all day long. You know, it just, you know, and, you know, Whatever. And I've been watching the hours begin to increase in some of the stuff. And I've caught myself beginning to enjoy a lot more stuff online just to waste time. When it really comes out to it, I'm like, I just wasted another half hour here. I just wasted another hour here of nothing that really is important or impacting me. Because I have found that these electronic things have not made me more efficient. They have distracted me a whole lot more. They have just kept me even more busy than I really had had. I want, would like to be. Listen to this, if you would. My Lord Satan called a universal convention. In his opening address to myself and the rest of his evil angels, he said that he had discovered the most effective strategy in all of human history to render followers of Jesus powerless and ineffective. Steal their time. Let them go to church and pursue a conservative lifestyle. But steal their time so that they cannot pursue an intimate relationship with Jesus. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection with Him throughout the day. How shall we do this? I shouted. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life. Invent numerous schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend and borrow, to accumulate more things. Tempt husbands and wives to work longer hours each day, even six or seven days a week, so that they can afford their busy and empty lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with each other and their children. As their family fragments, their homes will offer no refuge from the pressures and challenges of the life they have chosen to live. Overstimulate their minds so that they can no longer hear the still, small voice of God. Entice them to always play music, talk radio, or podcasts when they drive. Do not allow quiet, peaceful moments. Never. 
Have them keep the audio from their TVs, mobile devices, and computers playing at home at all times. Fill the time with ringing cell phones and beeping text notifications. The goal is to keep their minds preoccupied with the stuff of life all day long and to keep them running at such a fast pace that they collapse exhausted at the end of the day. They might try to pray and connect with God when they lie down at night. <laughs> Don't worry. If you have been successful, the frantic pace and the accompanying emotional and physical exhaustion will result in their falling asleep quickly. Fill their hands with mobile devices. Allow those devices to attain news from all over the globe so that they can focus on faraway events that have little immediate relevance in their lives. Flood their emails with junk mail and advertisements offering products and services and false hopes. Create discontent. When they take vacations, keep them running at a fast pace. Amusement parks, concerts, movies, sporting events are much preferred over walks in the woods or quiet moments by the seashore. The goal is to have them return from their vacation without rest and exhausted. One powerful technique is to have them get real busy working for God so that they do not have the time to get to know him. That way, their service will be in their own strength and will accomplish of little value. They will feel important, as if they were doing something of significance. But if we can successfully keep them from doing the one thing that matters most, drawing near to God, then they pose little threat to us. <laughs> so get to work. Keep them busy. Make their excessive busyness seem normal, acceptable, even admirable. Remember, peace, quiet, serenity, lack of noise and activity. They are our enemy. Our motto is no green pastures, no still waters, no restored soul. When I read that, it troubled me. I read that probably some 18 years ago, and I've posted it on a board in my office that I've had there, and I've never used it till this time. I've read it. I let it wash into me because I really believe that is our enemy's tactic is to just keep us so busy to find something else to keep us busy, to keep doing these type of things. The world's system is under Satan's control. This world is in his control. That's when he's been cast down here. And it's built on human wisdom and non-biblical values. But that should not stop us from going to his word and letting it refresh us, renew us. And here's where I want, here's my apex of all the scripture that I want to bring to you today is out of Romans 12 and verse 2. And I know you know it. I know you know this. Or at least you've heard it. But I think it's worth repeating, especially after what has happened in this service already today. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
I'm not going to get into all the Greek and all that other stuff. I did some of that work. Let me just tell you what transformed is really meaning. Transform is saying it's changing into another form. To transfigure. It's really where we get our word metamorphosis. I'm not a Greek guy, so I'm not going to try to go through all that and say it the way it should be said or the way it's said in the Greek, but it basically comes down to it's changing from one form into another. I think we understand metamorphosis, right? We get that. That's the transforming. That's what we have to have. But be ye transformed. Be ye changed into another form by the renewing, the renovation. How many have ever done a renovation of any sort in your home or in your life or on a car or, or whatever it may be and something that you tried to enhance to make a little bit nicer to bring a complete change, listen to this, a complete change for the better. Renovation. So it's be ye changed into another form by the complete change for a better of your mind. It takes time for this to happen. I mean, God can do a work and he can begin things right away, but I also know that in the world we live in, to stay good at it, to continue to work at it, we have to stay diligent, we have to stay faithful, and it can become stages and a stage might be a little bit, one stage might be shorter than another, but sometimes those stages take time, and it has to be a little bit more of a slower, methodical process. It takes consistency. It takes attention. We need help in having our minds transformed and renewed. It isn't done in our own strength. I think Paul's was inspired by the Holy Spirit here. He didn't write, be ye transformed by the renewing of your feelings. Or be ye transformed by the renewing of the works that you do, the good that you're doing. He doesn't talk about those things. He says, no, get your mind renewed. Allow him to be the one to help your mind be renewed. Worship team, if you will begin to make your way to the stage Whoever's coming forward, we have to allow him to do that work within us, to begin to touch our mind. And we have to be, the thing that we've got to become diligent is, is the busyness, the things that we've allowed. See, when God has all of us and when the world has none of us, that's going to be great, right? What? When the God has all of us and we battle the things that this world keeps trying to take over, I believe he brings that renewing to our confused minds at that point in time. He brings our thoughts in line with his thoughts. And we need that. 1 Corinthians 7.31, just the last part of that says, For this world in its present form is passing away. I, I just couldn't get past that thinking... We have to realize that, yes, I enjoy living in the land that we live and I enjoy being an American and I enjoy all that other stuff, but you know what? This kingdom isn't the kingdom that's gonna last forever. 
It's only his kingdom that's gonna last forever. So I need to be investing in all that I can in the kingdom of our living God. 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. See, that's the problem. Those that are prominent, that aren't believers in Christ, they're out there and they're making things happen in this world, but they're drawing us to that, that their minds have already, it says, the minds of the unbelievers have been blinded. Why are we following that? That's the blind following the blind at that point. Or should I say, maybe we're not blind and we're following someone who is blind that's taking us in a path that's not right for us. So we need to have our minds transformed and we need to have our minds renewed on a regular basis. God has, I believe, this goal in line for us, a complete change for the better. Let's allow him to merge his thoughts with ours so that he can bring the plan that we need to follow into life. You know, I've heard people say, well, so what is the perfect will of God? Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It, it tells me that that sums up all the law and all the prophets. So we need to be at that point where we're just serving and we're going after him. That's where I believe he calls it this good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. He has a purpose and a plan for us. And then we heard at the end of that, that video, Psalm 22, or Psalm 23, verses two and three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along paths for his namesake. Can I just tell you, it's okay to have times of quiet and peace and these different things. You don't have to be running every day, every minute, all the time, coming, going, and always trying to do this because you're always trying to make somebody else happy or maybe even make yourself happy because you're accomplishing different things. No, let him refresh your soul. Let him guide you along his path, the right path for his name's sake. And the last scripture that I want to bring to you is John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. You pray with me. Father, we come before you right now. Lord, I just pray that you will continue to work in each and every one of us. Lord God, as we do all we can to battle, to not being conformed to this world. To let this world have too much of us. Lord, the way we battle that is by allowing you to help us transform. Oh, to completely change into something different. By the renewing, to to make us think in a correct way, a way that would be honoring to you. To transform Renew our minds today, O oh Lord God. 
Lord, I believe that's a word for everyone. I don't care if they're brand new in this faith or if they've walked with you a long time, Lord. We need transformation and renewal in our minds and our hearts because, Lord, this world will weigh on us. This world wants to own us. This world wants to have possession of us. But, Lord, we want you to have complete possession of us. Or at least that's my prayer that we would desire that. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. So I did say at the very beginning that if you're here and you've never asked, why don't you all stand with me? We are ending. I think the thing that I have Witness the thing I have watched is that a lot of times we say these things and a lot of people will hear these things and they hear the biblical truth and they want to apply the biblical truth to their lives but they haven't made Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior yet. It's, it's, it's not that easy. You just can't do that. You can't just expect all this truth to be just part of your life unless you've made him the Lord of your life. And I've heard it said it's as easy as ABC. You have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to admit that there's sin in your life. And you have to believe that there's one. His name is Jesus Christ who allowed himself to be crucified, allowed for him to be sacrificed as that. See, in the Old Testament, it used to be they used animals for different things. Jesus said, I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna take care of all of that. I'm gonna be the one-time lamb the perfect lamb. I'm gonna make that sacrifice. And then when he did that, the beautiful thing is, is he ripped the veil in the temple that kept us in a system where we always had to go to somebody else to have that help, where he made himself available to you. So then all you have to do is confess that you need him as your Lord and Savior in your life. And if you will make that confession that you need him and that you believe that he was raised from the dead, scripture tells us you will be saved. It'd be the greatest gift you could ever have given into your life is Jesus Christ. And I know there's a lot of witnesses in here that will tell you the exact same thing. So Father, if there's anybody that's in this house today that is needing to make that prayer, that commitment, Lord God, they have to... They're making the admission that they are a sinner, that they have believed that you are, and they're now making that confession. They believe that you are the, the God, the, the Savior, the King of kings, and they've made the confession to make you their Lord, their Lord and their Savior today. Lord, your word said they can have this gift of salvation. They can have the gift of the promises of God. So we just pray for them right now. We just believe that, Lord God, you've done a work in each and every one of those hearts. And we want to be a church that's here to walk with you in that. We want to walk with you every week. We want to lift you up. We want to do what we can. We have great teachers here. We have great things that go on. And we have every service that is pointing towards Christ. And I hope somebody here, I'm not going to single you out or anything like that, because that's between you and your Lord. Now, if you've done that, I wish you would come down and let us know so we can pray with you and we can help you walk the next steps. But right now, I want to pray for all of you. 
And I think there are some of us that need to say, oh, I need my mind transformed. I need my mind renewed. I have let too much of this world begin to seep in, to get into my heart, to get into my busyness. And I have done what that, that reading was saying is that I have just let things begun, begin to take too much control. And I need to start gathering that stuff back. Today is the day that you could do that. And I want you to take time. If you want to come to this altar and bend your knee, you're welcome to do this. If you want to do it in your chair and you want to just sit down or bend your knee at your chair or whatever, and you make that and you cry out to him. I had a dream last night. I don't dream spiritual dreams very often, I'm going to tell you, but I had a dream last night that as I was working and doing whatever I was doing and I wasn't standing here in front of a pulpit, I can't tell you all the details, but I could tell you this. The Lord was working and talking about transformation of people's minds. You know, sometimes we think it's all here, but a lot of times it's right here in this heart of ours. What we believe, and it's what we're, our, our being and all that. We need transformation and renewal. And if that's you today, come on. Make an altar before your Lord and make that confession before him and say, Lord, I need that transformation. I have let too much of this crazy, busy world get into me and it's beginning to start dictating too much of what I'm doing. If that's you, go ahead, make a move. We're gonna let Cam sing this great song and I'll let him sing it through once or twice and then we'll close. Oh Lord, pour into them, let your spirit move. Hallelujah, Lord. And I'm praying for everyone that has heard this today, that, Lord God, every one of us need transformation. Every one of us needs renewal in our hearts, Lord God, because this world will take every opportunity. This, this enemy that is against us, Satan that is against us, is wise. He is never stopping. But, Lord, he is nothing like you because you are omnipotent. You are omniscient. You are all-knowing. You are all-powerful, Lord God. And I just ask that you would work in our hearts and our minds, that we would commit our ways each and every day to you. Lord, let that transformation, that metamorphosis begin in us today, Lord God, or continue in us today and move us forward that, Lord, and our thinking will be right because your word will come in. Lord God, help us. Continue with transformation in us. I just pray it right now for each and every one. Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. Lord, bless each one of you in your week this week. God bless you.